Alan here, jumping in off the top to tell you that our best friend of software in the world, Zencaster, kind of shit the bed on this podcast. I have spent countless hours this weekend stitching together the fragments of audio that it gave me. In the end, we lost a big chunk of our guest's audio. I think I was able to string this together a little bit in a way that gives you the gist of what we were talking about, and then we're going to follow up and have Jason on a future episode of the podcast. But I think there's enough here to uh, get some conversations going. Hope you enjoy, and uh, we'll try it again next time with a different audio software. Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the A-B Testing Podcast. This is what a happy one. jingle. I just made it up. I'm Alan. <laughs> I'm Brent. And we have a guest. I'd like to welcome, before he speaks, I'd like to welcome uh, President Joe Biden to the podcast. Joe, would you like to say something? Um. <laughs> oh, actually, Joe had to step out. So we're gonna, we have a better guest. We have, well, why don't you introduce yourself, Jason? Yeah, I'm Jason Arbin, and I'm a test nerd. And I listen to this podcast religiously, and I get upset when I have to wait more than two weeks for a new episode. That's our fault. Now, that's that's right away. We are 42 seconds in, minus the theme song, and we have a dig on us already. I, so I feel good. I feel good. Yeah. One, we're, we're all about self-deprecation here, Jason, so knock yourself out. Yeah, and there's a topic <laughs> we already discussed we're not going to go into, but one thing I really like about Jason is he's not afraid to... He's, He's to the point. He will say what's on his mind. I think I titled our last cod, our podcast, our podcast. All we talk about is AI, which is uh, the new name. We sh- oh, you know what, Brent, change your name to Ian, and we can be the AI testing podcast. Or I could just get rid of you, and it could be the AI and Brent podcast. Brent, you couldn't find the record button <laughs> if it was biting you in the pants. Oh, yeah. The, it, it, no one wants that. The, the quality, I mean, people already complain about the quality of our editing staff. It, it will just go straight downhill without you controlling. Here's what I want to do. I would like to get Jason involved and kind of hear his thoughts because he has great thoughts. Jason's been in, you know, this isn't the Jason plugging. We don't do like, you know, like here, let's interview you about everything you've done in your life. But lately, the last couple of years, you have been deep into something that's become very popular, AI, and voicing thoughts on how AI can help testing. I think we're in a weird spot in the industry. And well, let me get back to that in a second. But I guess the question of the day is, and we can all chime in on this, is what is going to be the impact of AI on software testing? So um, I guess that's directed toward me. That, that's for uh, you, yeah. <laughs> so I'm used to just listening to you guys and not interacting. Although I do, I do yell at the, at the radio or the car radio. Here's our first tangent. One of the things that used to exist when I was studying music was these records called music minus one. And what it was, is like, it's like musician karaoke before karaoke was a thing. It was like, it could be a jazz thing. It could be a orchestral piece and they just leave out one part so you could play along. And we should do a podcast like that, Brent, where we, just leave space for people to add themselves and they can just make their own podcast out of us. But yeah, but could, for this one, you're actually live in here. They could do that already, right? They could just pause. 
they could just skip the first, you know, fifty percent of the podcast, which is all the tangential bullshit. And then, Why don't you know, people make mashups of our podcast and like you know mix it in with uh, somebody else's? Anyway, let, let's rewind the stack and get back to how AI is going to impact software testing. Yeah, so I think I think there's really it's a very broad question. I think there's like really three kind of cohorts of people that will be impacted differently. One are the folks that are just are putting their head in the sand. They don't want to know it exists. They're threatened by it. They're concerned. They don't like change. I think we'll just hear less from them and about them over the coming years. Um, I think it's it's not that interesting actually. There's always that. There's always people that there's people still ride horses around, right? Um, it's all good. The there's a second core, the primary kind of set of people that are traditional software testers or people that care about quality. And I think that um, what's going to happen? Well, people are not really ready. For, so those people want to add AI as a superpower, right? To make their testing and their work better, faster, smarter, or cheaper. But I think what they don't realize is that this generation of AI is generative by definition, uh, and it generates things like test cases and bugs. So people are, are kind of, I don't think, because I haven't, wasn't ready for it either. You get overwhelmed by the amount of data that comes out of these systems. Like you used to manually create them by writing a bunch of Java code or Python or typing into a test case manager. Now they're just generated automatically by a machine. And so testers will have to deal with this deluge of, of, of information to triage it. I think they'll have two big impacts though. Bear with me and we'll get to, this is just kind of a highlight of stuff. I think there'll be two big impacts on software testing and testers. One is that there'll be more demand for people, testers that are experienced that can triage issues um, and tell the robot, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. But there'll be less demand for basic software testers, like newbies, freshies, and stuff like that, because the machines will just do that work. And they can't really do the triage work. And then there's a third class of folks where teams will, like new teams, you start a new team, you start a new app or something like that, you will start to use AI first um, before you hire that human tester. And the real interesting uh, extrapolation and race here is, will the AI get better faster than the demand of those teams that didn't, that delayed hiring a tester over time? But I think that that's, those are the major trend lines I'm seeing. So you hit on some things that are very, very interesting and something that you know for listening to the podcast, but I want to repeat in case anybody's listening to this, is that Brent and I started this podcast because we were seeing changes happening in testing with teams moving to more, I don't even call it agile, more adaptive and faster delivery. And what we saw was sort of the same thing. A lot of people just put their heads in the sand and said, this isn't, this isn't happening. A lot of people were overwhelmed by it and didn't understand how it would affect their job or it could it affect their job and what, what could they do to not make it affect their job. And some people were like, yeah, we're in, we're going to go make this work. And we started the podcast because we wanted to help people navigate what that change was like. And I feel like, you know, eight years later, I think we're kind of in the same place in a way. AI is changing. The, whether you like it or not, you can put your head in the sand. You can be overwhelmed by it and not sure what it's doing, or you can ride the wave, but it is making a, it is going to make a difference in the way we deliver software, like it or not. And now Brent's gone. So oh, good. It's the, um, so now it's the, it's the AJ testing podcast because Brent puked live on screen. Okay. Brent's back. This is fun. So I'm curious in this case, well, Brent figures out his stuff. 
I fully agree with those kind of three camps where folks are. And based on those three camps, is it similar to what Brent and I have been giving a few years ago? Or like, what advice do you have for testers right now who are either ignoring or watching or actually if they're listening to this, they're probably not ignoring AI, but they may not be sure what it's going to do. What advice do you have for them? How do you, how do they, how do they ride the wave versus get beaten down by the wave? Um, it depends on the person. I think they're going to self-select into one of those camps. Um, and I don't think you or I or Brent can do much about it actually. Um, I had this, I think that's probably why I relate so much to modern testing in, in your, you guys, uh, banter here on, on the podcast is that you're trying to help. You're trying to talk through it, trying to be honest and vulnerable and try to get through it with everybody. But, um, I don't think that, um, it helps all that much. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I, I think uh, the I'm people sorry. that really need to listen to us don't listen to us. Right, right. And the people, there are people that can, there's, there's a middle, there's a middle ground there where people will listen and go, or they get confirmation bias, confirmation bias, or, or, you know, they know that they're not alone. I think helps a lot emotionally, but I think people will just automatically self-select into different, different groups. And I, but I think like you guys have done, you at least give people an opportunity to hear the other side. Um, But I worry about, this is the funny thing. I worry about pushing too hard. Like, if people just don't want to do it, you don't want to drag them into a fight that they don't have the energy to deal with. Right. And so it's almost cruel in a way. So I kind of feel like people just self share the information um, and let people self select in or out, but at least they should see the, hear the have a chance to get the information. I, I think the single most important thing um, is very similar to then is to, as much as possible, get as many people to realize that they have a choice, right? They can be the butterfly or they can be the wind. They have that choice. Now, if they self-select, they self-select, right? Um, in my view, if they, the, this is a, a bit of wisdom I, I tell my children, it's refusing to make a decision is a decision. Mm-hmm. Like you've chosen to be the wind. You're going to be guided in whatever direction the powers that be in your life uh, take you. Is that Descartes? If you choose not to decide, you still made a choice? I um, uh, got a D in my philosophy course in college, so I'm probably <laughs> not the person to ask on that one. Yeah. Well, I took I took it 75 years ago. so. Um. But that's the important thing to me, is making sure that people understand they – they at minimum have that choice. Well, it's, I want to jump in because it, 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 you're, you're totally right, Jason. It's a weird place where we're doing a podcast and generally the people that are sticking their head in the sand, they are not look actively looking to discover new knowledge anywhere. They're not reading articles. They're not interacting on you know social media platforms around technology. These uh, they're just, they're not going to conferences uh, they're just not. So you're those people, the people that we probably need you know the most advice and and kind of on how to deal with this stuff aren't listening. And that's always that's kind of always been our place with our three listeners. They're largely in camp with what we're doing or they're wanting to move that direction. So right. And even you mentioned conferences too. like I I showed up at two conferences in the last two weeks at the last minute, and it was interesting almost everybody was talking or wanting to see something about AI. 
then where, you know, a few years ago, I couldn't drag anybody into a, a talk about it. Now everyone and every vendor has applied AI to the end of their software name. It's kind of like when Microsoft, remember when they added .NET to the end of everything in the early 2000s? <laughs> I, yes. I worked on Windows CE.net. So. <laughs> not, well, what, what not, not an ounce of managed code in that thing. And, and don't forget stupid. about ActiveX before that. Oh, God. All right. I worked on ActiveX on Windows .net. CE. <laughs> yeah, .NET. Enterprise. For, oh, for business. Sorry. Windows CE.net for business. ActiveX for Windows CE.net for business. That's the product. Killer marketing. But yeah, so the, I think what's interesting is everybody's wanting, they're, they're kind of curious. But the funny thing is, there's like I'm in different rooms where the focus is on AI. And then somebody, not me, actually asked, kept asking like on these panels and stuff, who here has tried ChatGPT? And like, it was like a third of the room would raise their hand. Like my mom has used it, right? I and mean, no offense to my mother, um, but she uses it and she asks me about AI stuff sometimes. So if you've got two thirds of a room of people that are in the technology world, right? In software even, um, and they haven't even tried it. And the, and the excuse is, what, it's too difficult because it's a chat window? I don't, I don't get it. So I really, I really do worry about trying to drag those types of folks into the conversation. It does come down to that fixed versus growth mindset in a way. And they're just, like I said before, they're, they're just not seeking knowledge. For a lot of those test conferences, the vast majority of people have been in testing for less than a year and their employers sent them there saying, please go learn something to make yourself more effective because the employers don't understand testing either. So they're just inherently not curious people i think i i i'm not willing to to i am to pass such judgment but but i mean that does that same question totally befuddles me one third is shockingly surprising like when you said that i'm like okay so my next follow-up question to jason is hey when you went to these conferences are you finding that they're now sort of old school echo chambers or is it now more what Alan was just saying? And no, it's young people who don't know better. I think it's, it's a barbell. I think you've got the old folks like me and then you've got the young ones. Uh, middle people are just busy doing actual testing. Um, they're the quiet, silent majority. Um, yeah, but old, old people like you have used chat GPT. Yeah, but I'm a little, yeah, yeah, no. And, and yeah, yeah. A couple times. Yeah. Well, I think there are. I think there are. My my LinkedIn chats uh, beg to differ. Uh, I I think, you know, my experience is is that you know the other end of the barbell from the noobs, they are often there to try and peddle their wares to the noobs. No, not picking on you. I'm picking on the folks trying to sell their um, consulting skills because they they prey on noobs. Yeah, I just had a robot. Um, but, but super interesting. I like I use Chat GPT probably daily i'm i'm far i'm far smarter with chat than without yeah yeah but that's that's a that's a low it's a low watermark though (laughs) (laughs) um Uh, dude you know what's crazy is that uh there's just today like there was this you can look on find it on linkedin if you really want to i'll protect the innocent name the innocent but someone that heads one of the software test organizations like the association stuff the you know that think big thoughts all the time on testing um they were asking and I, I i like him as a human being but he's asking has anyone tried dolly three 
I'm interested, I haven't used it yet, but I'm interested in what people think about it. What, what kind of a question is that? Like it takes four seconds to try it. I, my, my kids can use it. Um, I don't and know. like you just wasted. And then the people that reply that say, I haven't yet either, but will soon. It takes longer to write that response than it does. But it would be to go it. generate a picture. Like, but, but that's why, that, like, but so bringing them into the, into the presence, not even the future is, is maybe a dis- You know what? I, I think that I've, something I've discovered is we haven't talked about AI internally at my company is I think, I think they're a little daunted by it because it seems hard or it seems like it's magic. And I always think of the, the Clark quote, any sufficiently advanced technology yeah. is indistinguishable from magic. Then I go back and Brent, do you remember, I brought this up maybe on the podcast before, but I bring this up once in a while, but 10, what year is it? Maybe 10 years ago, everything was data science. Brent's a data scientist now, but remember when it's like, oh, we'll solve that problem with data science. Everything was data science. It was just the new, it was the new magic. We all, oh, you know what? We'll get a data scientist. They'll figure this out for us. And now today, 10 years later, it's AI. Let's use AI to solve that problem. We can do this with AI. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you, you buried the, the perfect summary right there. It was that, yeah, it, it, it's intimidating because I think of the last 10 years. What's, there's been a huge inflection point last October, right? October, November. Um, because, and I, I spent tons of Google money uh, and tons of my life, my actual life on this planet, labeling, uh, you know, finding as many pictures of login buttons and search text boxes as I could, and then labeling them. It was very tedious, very expensive, very intimidating, and the stuff would work, you know, 90% of the time, and you're happy, right? Like, it was very brutal. Um, but with generative AI... I'd rather AI, tear my fingernails off, but go yeah, on. With generative AI, it is, it, it, things have dramatically changed. Like, I'm literally probably, I'm rebuilding some of the stuff I've done before right now, and it's with, with no team. <laughs> Like it's crazy, uh, but I'm partnering with with AI, and so it's 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 but because it's generative, and so it's weird because you have this huge angst that only this, these super smart people in a closed room at AI at Microsoft or something can can do this AI stuff and this magic, right? But it's been democratized in the last year, so that anyone can get access to it, and it's smarter than they even fathom to guess that it is, and they're worried that it's even smarter than they think it is, and so. It's just been a huge inflection point. So it's both, like you said, it's both magical and it's intimidating. I think those things are still conflated with people in their mind. So yeah, I basically just did a long version of what you said eloquently and succinctly. No, no, no. <laughs> but I think what we've said before is I I think people, they want, again, I'm not going to th- throw, try to throw people under the bus here, but they want it to be something it's not sometimes too. They want it to answer their questions. And for me, it is my constant collaborator. Now, and, and honestly, right, there was a lot of, of that back and forth, right? I, I do see there are times where I had to sit down even with data scientists and explain to them how LLM works. And there's a particular problem that I, I now actually even straight up call the genie problem. Uh, I think I've talked about it on the podcast. And there's this whole language. So people are getting more and more familiar with it. They have enough exposure to it. They, it's, it's being demystified. That said, right, machine and human working together, I, quite honestly, I think is always going to beat the, the separate component 
pieces. Finally, we have an argument uh, or, or discussion. Um, I actually, oh. I'm in, in my experience, and it could be the human operator that's partnering with the AI. Um, when I, like the funny thing about, about ChatGPT is it's not in a loop, right? It just waits for you. I am the slow part of that loop. I am, and in fact, the way I used it, I've changed how I use it dramatically over the last six months. I used to think about my existing problems, break them down into pieces, like we're told to do in software engineering, and then have each little piece implemented by some AI prompt magic thing, right, with enough data. And the funniest thing is I've realized is that if you start with just the top level problem and then have GPT break it down for you, like the human in the loop is the dumb part. Like I'm, I've, like the GPT is unleashed only when I remove myself from the more I remove myself from the equation, uh, GPT is more powerful and I'm more efficient in what I'm trying to accomplish. If that sounds too convoluted, it, it is, but, and people don't realize that it's also want to say that, that, you know, talking about data science or, you know, it was, you know, cloud or whatever these past revolutions have been and they changed the world and people like go, Oh yeah. Or test automation. Right. Oh yeah, there's a there's now somebody's trying to automate the things that I'm doing. Uh, okay, I get it, but they have to linearly create them and stuff. But this is a sea change. Like people don't realize or want to realize. Like oh, yeah, I can do some software testing, maybe right. But Congress has hearings <laughs> because they're worried that it may take over the world and kill everybody, or destroy all jobs, and it's a national security risk. And we just they passed legislation to block uh, or. Well, it's unfortunately not where we put our smartest people. Right. But but guess who showed up at the hearing, though? The people making these models, right? So, and maybe it's in their self-interest and regulated interest to do so, but um, for the protective moats. But but this, no one said it about data science. So it, it is a significantly different. It is. I think it freaked, it, it freaks people out. It, the, the magic of it freaks people out, but people are too afraid of Skynet and we are so many iterations of AI away from Skynet. Can I, can I, we, we, I'm not, we could just agree, but, but I think humans don't get exponential growth. Like Brent, Brent explain exponential growth. Like, uh, so I don't seem like I'm overly biased. Explain uh, exponential growth. Why Jason, why, that's why growth. That's exponential. Why, um, brilliant. As always, it's, uh, inarguable. No, no, no. So, so, now I would want to get into sort of discussion around the distinction between an AI, an AGI, and an ASI. Mm -hmm. AIs, how do I put this? They know everything but can do nothing. That is why the, the human in the loop process or the human and machine working together is always going to outperform. The, the issue is AI, the AI... Like, as you know, it's generative. Like, I, I tell people over and over again, when you think of a generative model, think parrot. Okay? You go to someone's house and you hear the parrot go, hello, hello, right? You think of it, oh, oh, they're greeting me. No, but from the parrot's point of view, that's just a noise it's heard repeatedly. It doesn't know what it's saying. It's the same thing with the generative AI. I have a process, for example, in my team where where I've created a Python tool and I've actually created two agents that actually have a conversation towards a goal. Okay. So that aspect of it that you're talking about where, where you could have LM work it out with itself, right? That the challenge is, is right now 
it doesn't have that thinking process around what's the next thing I should do with this. It does now though. So like there's auto GPT and Microsoft released one a couple of weeks ago. I forget the name of it. Uh, those Microsoft people, they're untrustworthy. Right. That's for sure. <laughs> we know too much. Could you trust the people that make PowerPoint to do anything constructive? If they put AI in it and then the AI generates the slides. No, and to be clear, like you just said, AutoGPD does this, and I'm just going to say up front, it doesn't, but the way they built it is an over. No, the way they built that yeah. is um, quite smart. So it is, uh, it, it, uh, the code that runs AutoGPT knows how to drive LLM and take advantage of LLM to even further make this sort of magical experience where all you need to do is add another little widget and suddenly its capabilities have grown. Okay. So, um, uh, <laughs> uh, so I think the, the key thing about AI is not its capabilities today. So say, say you grant you everything you just said, just grant all that. Yeah. Um, the people making these things and, and are finding correlations between the amount of data and compute they put into it on the orders of $100 million per model right now. And I think they think the cost per model might actually go up to $500 million or a billion uh, in two years. But they're seeing an exponential increase in the capabilities of these AIs, of, of even call them just LMs. So their their growth is accelerating. This is why I want to talk about the exponential growth thing. Right. Humans never get exponential growth. Like we couldn't have dreamed of auto GPT in all of its horribleness uh, two years ago. It wasn't on anyone's radar. If someone thinks it was on their radar, they're lying because then uh, they were just nuts because nobody saw this coming. Not even OpenAI saw the uh, the really the promise of LMs until it started just doing things. Um, right. And so. Uh, so I think what people are factoring, and I think what you may be, the difference between you and I and thinking on this topic is, is how fast it's getting better. Like most of these people that want to put their head in the sand, like, you know, Alan was talking about, you're talking about these people that want to put their head in the sand or ignore it or whatever. Um, they, they find things they cannot do all the time, right? Oh, it can't do math. It can't add two 20 digit numbers or it can't do whatever. Do you know what it, it can do now? It can actually, you can write the... <laughs> In an academic formula from a paper, put it on a whiteboard, take a picture of it, it will generate the Python, and you can execute the Python. It's an implementation of that, that algebraic equation, not just adding two numbers. Um, but these things, these barriers are falling faster than people, like people are being, people are being proven wrong within like, you know, 20, 30 days, sometimes oh, even like- In terms of the, the uh, I saw this, I, uh, I saw this same phenomenon way back in the day when Google was full on agile and Microsoft was still doing sort of waterfall big design up front, right? It, it, it's- Well, real quick, but that was a linear, I, I went and worked on both sides of that phone. But Google, Google, no, I get that. It was a, Google, it's a linear improvement. It was a- I don't think it was a linear, it was a. It was an exponential improvement, oh. but with a, with a lower exponent. What I, I do agree with you, what you're seeing right now is a massive uh, growth curve. And and the one thing, like, I think you want to push back on, on whether or not humans uh, plus the AI. Here's the thing. Here's the thing I, I think there's going to be an agreement on. Right. The humans that do pay attention and learn to work with the AI and 
uh, stay abreast of it, right? Just as you called out where you are, are successfully building through projects without a team and you were surprised by the fact that you didn't have a team. That's going to be increasingly the case. Yes. And I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to, this isn't going to be a tangent. It's is I'm going to build this into a segue. So AI, I think we can agree. AI is going to make software development faster. We are seeing that with Copilot all over the freaking place. Yes. And again, don't check in code. You don't understand, but it's going to make you faster. It's, it's, it's like, remember when, um, like I've written code in Notepad. I wrote a lot of Windows code in Notepad, but think how great autocomplete is. But now we have like autocomplete plus plus. It's, 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 it's a whole new world. A million years ago, I was talking to James Whitaker and who we all know. And we were talking about heads up displays and testing. And like, let's get, let's, what's the overlay we can use to, to let people know what kind of like, we talked about doing it for coverage or for, you know, flagging bugs and things. And, and then he went to, um, another small company called Google and I don't know what he actually did with it there, but I believe he did talk about it at least in the, the Google, Google software book. So thank you. So James is really good. We love James. He's really good about taking ideas and get other people to do the actual work. Mm-hmm. So didn't he make you write most of his book? I don't claim any of it. Okay. All right. So the real question, I don't know if that's the answer. I wanted to bring that up as maybe a possible answer, but what is the testers? When, what is it? And when will we see the testers version of Copilot? What is Let's, let's, let's dream for a minute based on your experience here, Jason. What is Copilot for testers? Uh, the human has to be in the loop because I'm a human, and that's my priority. Um, somehow I'm going to put myself in the loop here. <laughs> okay. uh, a GitHub, owned by another company you might have heard of called Microsoft, they have a thing called TestPilot already. It's in, it's in beta. Um, like literally look at me. I, who's asking dumb questions here? That was, that was not a leading question, but now I want to hear more about test pilot. Tell me. Oh, well, no, it's, but that's the thing nobody can keep up. You know what I mean? Uh, uh especially when you're wandering around Mount Rainier, uh, with a, with a beard. I, I gotta say, I'm gonna interrupt now, but I got, I worry because remember when, remember when Microsoft added the exploratory testing plugin to visual studio and they called it XT like the entire yes. industry calls it ET. They said, oh, we'll call it XT. So based on that experience, I'm not confident in test pilot, but I do want to hear more. And that's okay. Like, again, even in the more medicines, I'm not trying to convince anybody. I'm good. I'm good with it, to be clear. Like if people don't want to think about exponential growth in these things. So so what test pilot does, it just it writes test cases for you. And there's a web page that demos it. Like, um, But it'll get better. That's the thing I think that people don't realize about AI. It's like, it will get not just better, but far better. Like, and in, 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 in very quickly. Yeah. And um, so let's, let's, so, let's brainstorm a little bit. Cause I think generating test cases, I suppose that's interesting if you care about a bunch of test cases, but I wanted to generate, like, I wanted to prioritize them. Like, I, I don't want to know all of them. I want to oh, know. Okay. So these, you're thing. good. Guess who prioritizes all that stuff? The human. Human. It has to be a human, you know? Right. Right? It doesn't have to be. I I was arguing with Wayne, Wayne, the, you know. Oh, Wayne. Yeah. Wayne. We call him Wayne. You you saw him on. I love Wayne because Wayne, again, he's super freaking smart. And 
but, and he is not afraid to challenge what he does. He's agree. weird. He lives in like the past, the present, and the future, and they all at the conflict. same time. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But what I long term with him yesterday about about like because um, one of my screenshots I shared something where there was a. I'm willing to pay $18 a month because that's the price of Zencaster, by the way, for a re- podcast recording platform that lets me record separate audio tracks, and it actually works every time. I don't ask for a lot. All right, everybody. This has been the AB Testing Podcast, episode 188. I am Alan. I'm Brent. Walking on.